hello bat uh historian scholar bat scholar, bat anthropological man in the library roman roman batman well oh my god are you batman <laughs> no i'm not i don't have the discipline <laughs> um is there anything particularly today that has proven that you don't have the discipline no i mean i don't i don't i suspect that if i had to uh just escape from simeon and makari and go face dark side i i would just be, i wouldn't make it very far down the hallway <laughs> I, I i just suspect that if i were tasked with all of the batman things i might at some point just sit down and read a book <laughs> to Batman in Quarantine, episode 44, I believe, is what we just confirmed. 44. Uh, my brain is like a sieve for numbers. But <laughs> I'm excited to be here. It's it's Batman in Quarantine 44. We're going to be talking about Batman 702, the second part of the Lost Chapter by Grant Morrison and Tony Daniels. The, the, the book that came out, you know, kind of like a, a mysterious gem in the sands that you would find. Oh, here's a, some answers and some more mysteries that I would have been happy to have earlier. But I do think after reading this issue that I'm pretty happy about where they do, where they landed, where Morrison decided to put them in this omnibus. Uh, it, all, it all feels pretty good to me. Roman, how are you doing fresh off the morning? It feels pretty good to me too. There's a uh... I'm I'm less worried about the hole in things because because you know Batman's here. Even if he's there, he's here. Even if he's there, he's here. The hole in things doesn't appear to be the same hole in things that we always assumed it was. Um, but in this issue, it, it mostly focuses on the final crisis moments uh, and less the R.I.P. moments, which the previous Lost chapter dealt with. And this has. You know, uh, Batman getting abducted by Makari, uh, all those, it's Dr. Simeon getting out of that, approaching Darkseid, feeling the effects of time rearranging around him, and then it ends beautifully right where Final Crisis ended and, you know, the second before the first issue of Return of Bruce Wayne. I think it was really eloquently put together um, and the way that it expresses different times and fits into different times. I think there's some really interesting stuff. I'm excited to talk to you about in here, just about sort of myth and the role of Batman and how he's, how he perceives himself, the role of the new gods. I think that one of my favorite things about this issue is the way Morrison's interpretation of the new gods is really expressed here, uh, which I feel is a little bit different than how it's been expressed in many other stories, but I think it was how he was trying to talk about them in Final Crisis. I, I, I like that these two issues have existed because it really does give us an opportunity, or it gives him an opportunity, I suppose, to sort of re-clarify a lot of ideas that I think are kind of hard to access if you're not willing to do a huge amount of uh, puzzle piecing together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, oof. Pick up this tome. Pick up this big old tome. How are you feeling about the tome? You doing all right? Is your lamp falling asleep when you're holding them? Yes, actually, I, I made the mistake of 
not not this morning, but to to be a to be blunt in a Django kind of way, I made the mistake of trying to read an issue of this in the omnibus while I was sitting on the toilet. Oh. My entire low, lower from the waist down went to sleep. <laughs> oh, I couldn't move. <laughs> that might actually just be more of a circulation issue. You should get looked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the weight of this this fifty pound book. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, a big central theme in this issue to me is Batman's ascension to being a mythological figure. And as he spent so much of the previous issue talking about how everything is myth to Superman, you know, he's just this man amongst this myth. But as this one even starts, we've got these shots of Batman really being the one piecing this large, horrible mystery together and being the detective that does it. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It was pointed out somewhere as I was reading it that like this shot of Superman, the uber muscle man and Batman behind him really fitting into the pantheon kind of, uh, encasing himself into the idea of being one of these mythic figures, even though he is at his core, the most human and least powered of all of them. Yeah. I literally was like, well, I don't know when they started referring to the Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman as the Trinity, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I always love that. And that's one of the, the first big panel of this issue is like a ridiculous posing, but it's the Trinity in the forefront with, you know, Batman right up there, equal to Wonder Woman and Superman and Wonder Woman. I mean, she's literally, well, at times, a god or demigoddess or whatever. And we're introduced to this narration throughout the whole thing, and it seems to be directed at Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hear radio without a receiver and listen on the turf wars of dust mites. As this issue is unfolding, we're realizing that it is taking place in the moments when he has gone far back in time, right before Return of Bruce Wayne, and his memory is fading, and he's starting to lose his... Uh, perception of where they are uh, in time where he is in time what he knows and so he's recording this sort of failing his memory failing message in a bat utility thing that ultimately gets found and sent forward in time but i just love the dedication that batman shows in superman dedication the the belief you know the like absolute yeah. trust and faith that he has in superman that like you will, in the same way that I'll always find the answer, you'll always find the way, you know? And he, I, I just really <laughs> yeah. like this give and take. I don't know. The, the respect <laughs> that Batman has for Superman, I think, is, is profound. And I really think it's put on center stage in this uh, particular little two-issue two chunker. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice to see because, you know, too often they writers kind of resort to the Batman and him being kind of friends, but and Superman trust him, but Batman's so distrustful and and just you know, Batman esque. Yeah, <laughs> the, there's like in a the, in the easy way adversarial component to it. That now that you mention it, like that's interesting. You got like the. Do, do you think Morrison? I feel like Morrison leans on that dynamic a little bit less than other writers have. Like Tower of Babel by Mark Wade is an amazing story, but it is sort of all hinged on this kind of idea of a sin that Batman has created based on a lack of trust with the rest of the league. Yeah. And I like the portrayal of Batman as being someone who thinks so much and has all these contingencies planned out that he even has contingencies for when his friends fail. But I also really like the buddy buddy dynamic that can exist between Bruce and Superman in a way that like, I don't think either of those characters can really be that type of buddy with anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, 
and 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 yeah, they they can't. I mean, sure, super, you know, they both have relationships with Wonder Woman, both very different relationships, but neither one is close to what their relationship is with each other. And I think that you know, on the topic of just the myth and the ascension of you know to a, a godlike figure, a mythological type figure, you know, this whole thing really is set up. Even the basis of Final Crisis is really set up about gods, new gods, living ideas, a dead god, the Justice League being these myths. And as Batman's narration is going throughout all this thing, he's you know saying, I was trained to fight crime on the streets. I've always been prepared you know, for sniper bullets and madmans, murder machines. But this world of gods and aliens, I'm not. But there's this just wonderful scene of, you know, if we skip a little bit ahead in this issue, when he does escape Makari and Dr. Simeon, and he goes to fight Darkseid, the little bit about, you know, his whole life has been this myth that has been constructed, and he's fulfilling it by going forward, but his myth is to be the man against the god, which I, I think there's um, a lot of probably other types of historical fictional texts that express that and embody that dynamic, but the one most familiar to me is like David and Goliath, you know, from the Bible the little guy who had to kill the giant with the, the slingshot. That's, <laughs> you know, I, but it's, it, it, even that, that human is a, a myth by our today's standards. And, and the, the big thing that happens in this that I think Morrison is able to clarify in these two issues is the way that Batman, his myth is to be the embodiment of the role of humanity outclassed by the role of that which is larger and then still rising above it right this whole this whole you know i gotta find the the page <coughs> monologue but when he says uh what the the bit that ends with gotcha you know a myth oh. where ultimate evil turns its gaze on humanity and humanity gazes right back and says gotcha you know like that's he he becomes this myth in in his fallibility in his inferiority to this god he's you know redefining the idea of you stare at the abyss and the abyss stares back at you like humanity which is always the underdog can can face these things these greater things and say gotcha and it, it can oust and defeat that which is larger and more intimidating than ourselves yeah and <clears throat> excuse me it was interesting <clears throat> that uh dr cody walker doc walk you checked in with doc walk <laughs> i did i did and <clears throat> he put you to sleep your, your waist to sleep on the toilet <laughs> no he didn't actually it's a much smaller time um, yeah um it's more more of a pamphlet really? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he says in there that <clears throat> that um batman kind of rejects the idea of himself as as being similar to a new god as representing something like that but i but I don't think so. I think in this, he, as you just described, he becomes, he becomes a mythical type god in, in stepping through that, that door into the hallway. Um, and I think he does at some level kind of accept that um, just because not out of anything egotistical, but just as the, well, these are the tools I have available to me. This is how it, this is the only way I see to defeat Darkseid. I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> um, I don't think he thinks, Batman thinks in terms of like, it doesn't matter if he represents like a godlike being himself. That's just beside the point. He's got to get the job done. And the heroic thing, I think Batman even mentions it once in here about, <clears throat> oh, later on after he's been Omega sanctioned and he's in the cave, um, 
as his memory is fading, he thinks to himself, uh, leave a trail like Theseus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, Theseus and the Minotaur, you know, he has to go to the center of the maze to defeat the the, the inhuman monster god, whatever, and, and mark his way so he can find his way out of the maze later. It's like, Jesus, that, yeah, that's exactly what Batman's doing once he's back in time. Yeah. And it's, does he even, he think he directly references Theseus, right? Like yeah, Batman he does. When, in here? Yeah, when he's in the cave, that's, that's when he decides to start marking the bat on the wall. Which, yeah, I think it, I think that this issue could have come out right before Return of Bruce Wayne, but I also think that like kind of coming out halfway through really does benefit the story in a way. It, yeah. it, it feels like more puzzle pieces coming together. Yeah, if it had come out earlier, it, it would have given away too much. Yeah, I taking totally agree. That, yeah, taking away some of that discovery that Morrison wants us to, to, to find. I think my favorite part of this issue, I touched on it a minute ago, but is the way Morrison is able to convey and have a discussion about pl- platonic ideas of things. Mm. Um, and in my understanding of the new gods, like Jack Kirby, the new gods, and all these, uh, they, are, they are people and they are things. You know, they are, they are things that interact with the world. And what I really like is the way in these issues and each, I think it attempted it in final crisis, but it wasn't as effectively conveyed as it is here is that all of these new gods and are living ideas. They're not physical things. And, and he alludes to all of the interactions with new gods in the past, you know, the fourth world stuff that Kirby did. They're like projections onto our reality of these living ideas. And it's this idea of like, you know, dark side is the living embodiment of, all evil and the worst in things and the way that he interacts with our world is in these issues even like when you see turpin being turned into dark side in here the 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 dark side that batman ultimately shoots he's always depicted with this glyph behind it there's like this neon glyph that looks kind of like the sigil that they paint on themselves in final crisis to defeat the anti-life equation but there's always this like um I'm not sure if you can see like right here, Roman, but yeah, that's the page I'm yeah looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely in final crisis as well. And I think that he does a good job of showing this physical embodiment of dark side is just sort of a finger within our world. But in reality, he's a thing that you can't touch. He's an idea. And, and the way that he's even able to connect that a little bit more is like this bullet, like the bullet that can kill this god is the radion bullet but it's a you know it's he describes it as its essence of bullet it's every bullet that ever has killed everybody it's it is the the prototype with which all things were created from in the same yeah. way that these new gods are that they are embodiments of you know knowledge and power and love and 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 evil so just this like really tangible way of discussing that these villains and these things that we're going up against are are eternal. There's so much like when we were talking about Return of Bruce Wayne too. They live outside of this hyper cube of time that we exist within. They can't even be a physical person. They're not physical per- persons. They're, you know, eternal ideas that try to have an effect on our reality. And I I think that that is a conversation that felt very salient throughout this whole issue to me. And it, Really, with you know the conversation of the gun and the bullet, 
and and traveling through time and i that was something that uh i love yeah just the essence of things this is so much more about the essence of things and talking about the new gods as the essence of things that influence all other things but they're not they are not byproducts they are the the you know the the progenitor ideas I, i just love that idea and it yeah 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 i i do too um the um yeah, the new gods and that and that bolt, the radion bullet. It's it's the plato- the platonic ideal of bullet that all bullets in our in our regular reality are birthed from. Um, and I wish I could remember because uh, I haven't read it since college. But uh, and in pl- the example of Plato's cave, you know, there's the ideal. Um, like the ideal chair that exists as the idea form, the thought form, and then there's all the real chairs. Um, and I can't remember how Plato's cave ties into that, but now I'm that's in my head because of the bat cave. <laughs> I'm in the cave at the end of this issue, which is the cave, which is maybe the ideal cave that later. <laughs> um, Mm, mm, this is also good. It is. And I, I love that. I love when, a you know, I, I love that we've got Batman taking on Darkseid, which on some level is just a good guy fighting a bad guy like there's always been. But the line of dialogue here, when, when he says, as he approaches Darkseid, um, everything has a thousand extra layers of meaning, like Darkseid himself. Like, that's what he writes. And it's because, yeah, on one level, it is Batman going to fight Darkseid, but it is also... The, on a different level, it is the idea of humanity taking a, down a god, or it's the idea of perseverance, you know, overcoming evil, which those are metaphors prevent, prevalent in so many pieces of fiction that you engage in. But, you know, to really, it's so salient here because it, yeah. it is the ascension of a physical thing to be an idea. And um, I, I checked out a blog, I've mentioned it a couple times, that there was a dude called Rick Dad, R-I-K-D-A-D, and he's kind of like the opposite of Cody Walker. He writes longer summaries about all these issues, but he really likes to play around in just sort of the like mystery of it and not pretend that he knows things. But he really conveyed something uh, well to me, which is the over you know, an overarching idea in 702 is that the new gods and their artifacts are platonic in nature, the essence of things rather than the things themselves. Everything about them is the essence of a thing rather than the thing itself. There is the idea of hoarseness, and then there are particular horses, you know, like mm-hmm. is a way he describes it. You could kill every horse that's alive, but the idea of horses would still exist. And you know, we, we discover that aspect of these stories here. So just that, that embodies to me, this thrust of this story, which is these, for these two issues, he's talking about, I'm a human. They don't really remember that I'm just a human, you know, that I have to pretend to be more than that. But in reality, he's becoming larger than that. He has redefined myth by approaching dark side and, you know, uh, yeah. And, he knew I wouldn't kill his human form, but he didn't know I had the radion bullet and a new myth of my own. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, and it and it ties in all the other myths, you know, Theseus and the Minotaur, and yep. Be- Beowulf versus the dragon, um, uh, the Allies versus Hitler. I mean, <laughs> yep. yeah, 
it, yeah, when you believe in something and you're going to face it, it's not just you facing something. It's, it, it's an ideological battle. So yeah. that is just a really adult way of thinking that I started to access, you know, all, 10 years ago, eight years ago when these issues came out. And it really did help me process, especially a lot of the grief I was going through at that time in my life. It really helped me to process and have a tool like, you know, story creates a ladder for you to get out of holes, you know, and we all get an emotional and moral physical holes at different times in our life. And I've always looked to story, particularly Grant Morrison is one of the reasons I love him to sort of create a sense of scaffolding that helps me have hope to pull out of these things. And I think that like this Batman story above all is a real story of hope to me, especially like the pre incorporated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, the, just to go back to the very beginning of the yeah. issue in us talking about this, I realized, okay, that's because the very first page, it kind of made me chuckle because Superman and Batman, the justice league are talking and Superman's addressing the league, but that big panel, him and Wonder Woman, Batman have turned away from the league and Superman's still talking to them but he's facing the reader and everybody's just posing. And I thought, Oh my God, that's so dumb. But on the mythic level, no, that's the, the myth that he and the justice league represent. Um, so, okay, that works. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I do think, yeah, there's something there to like, if it were just the Trinity, it would be even a little different than with everybody, you know, that was the justice league at that time, because it becomes less of the Trinity and more the Pantheon. And it really does place yeah. Batman within the Pantheon. And I think Batman is, you know, ever so cocky all of the time, but I, I think we're reminded of his humanity here by his sense of inadequacy next to these people. We're reminded of it. Like he keeps saying, I'm just a human being, you know, and, and, <laughs> I like the the humanity displayed there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This particular lineup of Justice League, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, we won't right now, but we could go through and because and I don't know if this was the current Justice League at the time or if Morrison specifically picked these ones. I want to bring up something to sure. to. I'm curious what you know. I think you'll know more about the idea of it, but when he's talking about hidden rooms, vacant tombs, and family secrets, whatever they touch turns to myth. Understand that much. This is the narration by Batman. Wounded by the hunter, Darkseid's dying fall made the hole in things. I was reading someone's interpretation. It could have been Rick Dad's. I was also reading a Comics Alliance annotation of these issues that came out years and years ago. One of them pointed out that the roses on the fireplace that lead to the Barbados room, yeah. um, are like in referencing the hunter and then the death of Orion through dark side, that those <laughs> roses represent Orion's belt. And oh, okay. that being like, is there some reference to the hunter? What's the hunter to you? Is and like within myth? Is there the, the hunter and Orion? Is there a different Orion? There, there is. And I don't remember the exact original myth, but you know, the constellation is Orion the Hunter and the oh, there we go. brightest stars are in Orion's belt. Okay, so um, because he's the hunter, I think that's the connection that they make. Yeah, and I think the connection here, Morrison, is I think referenced at least a, a, a little bit was that, you know, Orion, has his existence has always been hunting Darkseid, who is his father, um, and to destroy him. 
So I do like that connection that was made somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I hadn't thought of it. I wish I wish I could remember the original Orion myth now. Yeah. We need Justin. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, hopefully he'll be back soon. Yeah, oh, he will. I love, so as Batman, I love the shot of Batman getting the Omega sanction, you know, like that almost two-page full spread of him in intense pain with the lasers getting in on both sides of him. And on the other side of that, it has Darkseid saying the Ancestor box contains a hyperadapter. I read that um, the, hype, the Ancestor box shows up in his JLA run, um, but I didn't uh, remember that. I but either. <laughs> what I love about it is that instead of being ping, 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 like all mother boxes, it says dom, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, which is, could either be doom, 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 or sexual dominant role, sexual dominant role, sexual dominant role. But the the shot of like the tentacle coming out of it kind of reinforces that kraken like nature of the hyper adapter. Yeah, which rereading this, I was like, oh wow, there's the okay, so that's why it looks like the big Cthulian squid type yeah. thing in the Bruce Wayne first issue. I I'd forgotten that. And it makes I mean, you just saying that I think we've touched on Lovecraft, but like the new gods as living ideas outside of our you know multi dimensional sphere are Cthulhu Lovecraftian in nature, right? Like in that, to me, a lot of Lovecraft horror is that the the small things within a, a reality peering beyond that veil and being introduced to madness because it's so much larger and it's horrifying because it's, you know, so much larger than ourselves. And that's kind of the relationship between humans and new gods or particularly this hyperfauna in the form of, you know, like what if Lovecraftian gods or the old ones are, you know, hyperfauna from the, 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 the fifth dimension, you know, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of the hyperfauna. I mean, and that's, and I think that's certainly an, an aspect of the new gods because it's all aspects. I mean, I mean, they're, they're more directly, you know, the Greek and Norse mm -hmm. gods combined, but, um, Oh, and that's something that I love that Morrison did. You, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode how Morrison, uh, unlike anybody, and, and, and including Kirby, hadn't portrayed the new gods as these platonic ideals, as these thought forms. And Kirby did in, in more like solid um, representations of myth. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's really cool that Morrison did what he did with them which is a direct outgrowth of Kirby's and, and in a way is, is what Kirby was doing is just at the time, the comics he was writing, the way comics were presented, nobody could have done this when Kirby was alive. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, that, you know, the way that he was talking about it is you can almost like stack it. You know, there's humans and above mm -hmm. that there's superheroes and above that there's gods and above that there's ideas. Yeah. And you know, I think it was a more linear vertical yeah. hierarchy back then, but Morrison kind of, instead of each of those ladder rungs, he draws a sphere around it and it encapsulates what was inside it within it. And, you know, it really captured to me distinguishes that difference of like, they're not just above us. They are beyond us, you know? Yeah. And yeah. God, I love Kirby. The, so after the page that I just mentioned of like the Dom, Dom, Dom box, we get two of what I think are the most interesting parts of this whole issue, which is, the narration surrounding 
Bruce looking at the Barbados cave with all the painting of Thomas and Barbados and the pearls. And he sees particularly the scene of the funeral from Neil Gaiman's whatever happened to the Cape Crusader story. Mm, But beyond that, we have the asylum, Willowwood Asylum. And that is very interesting. And never gets full resolution as far as I know. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what is, what is, where's Willowwood Asylum? Well, I do know, and I'm so excited Ah. to tell you about it. Wait, Um, I'm tickled. (laughs) Willowwood Asylum is a, is a very obscure pointer to world's finest number 223 and the 1974 story of pre-crisis lost brother of Bruce's named Thomas Wayne Jr. This brother was the subject to a brain trauma during childhood that led him to be mentally unstable. So the parents put him in Willowwood Asylum before, and then they died ever being able to tell Bruce that he had a brother that was there. And in pre-crisis continuity, then he becomes, and it's like an Earth One thing instead of Earth Prime, which is the yeah. post-Final Crisis Earth. But uh, it creates this connection, and so in that continuity, like he gets released and he becomes this thing called like a boomerang killer. Um, and Bruce ultimately does find out who he is. But th- this scene of the bats flying out of the cave and the Barbados painted on the wall and the funeral and the Willowwood Asylum. I think works in a way to sort of show that Bruce, you know, if all of our lifelines, instead of being a line are correct as these, these cubes that we're kind of in the middle of this, all of these events are just sort of circling around him and being shifted. And, and, you know, is that earth one, is that earth prime? Do I have a brother in this reality? He was named Thomas Wayne. Dr. Hurt is claiming to be Thomas Wayne. And I think it serves to imply that, Thomas Wayne is Dr. Hurt, even though not necessarily saying that and not making that the truth of it. But then uh, in this blog I was reading, he wrote, many back detectives have guessed that Dr. Hurt might be Thomas Wayne Jr. The Bronze Age stories of Bob Haney have not been acknowledged by Morrison much until this point. Hurt has already declared himself to be a dark twin. Could Morrison be opening the door to Thomas Wayne Jr. being in continuity again? And if so, could he, rather than old Thomas Wayne you know, several lineage ages up, could he be the, could it be the body of Dr. Hurt? The answer to the second question is almost certainly no. Thomas Wayne Jr. was only three years older than Bruce, whereas Dr. Hurt was an adult in 1978, clearly too old to be the son of Thomas and Martha. Mm. I, you know, we're really getting into this idea in this story of, you know, he says like, I can feel the trap that's been set for me my entire life closing in on me. I can finally see bits of it. And my interpretation of that which isn't to say this Uh-oh. is what is correct. Oh. <laughs> um, what? Oh, you froze there for a second. Oh, sorry. Good. Okay. <laughs> Oof. Thanks for catching. Um, but my interpretation of that is is more akin to the eternal nature that, like, you know, from birth until now with Batman, he's never known about this trap that has been set for him since birth. But because he, as an adult, goes back in time and influences all of the time before it he you know created this bat signal through time he's hidden the boxes he's you know painted in the cave he's done all of these things before his birth in chronological time yeah i love i just love that idea of the this trap has been set for him his whole life even though it just happened now you know because of going back in time 
some lineage, some ancestor of Bruce found these journals, created these things. It, it really nails home, I guess what I'm trying to say, is that snake eating its tail, chicken or the egg thing here. Like, these events didn't go back and change time. Like, time is changing all around him, and he says that so well here, but like, it was time. Time is pliable. As I stayed in place, he manipulated whole centuries around me. Yeah. But his life is still the one that was bound by that manipulation of things. So he was always destined to do this. It doesn't matter if it's the Thomas Wayne that's his brother, the Thomas Wayne that's his ancestor, or if it's his dad. It's all, it was all going to happen. And it's, you know, the things that have happened before him have been influenced by what he did. I, I love that. And then the comparison of, he says here that like, Dark side is the hole in things. It's the hole that cre- it was created when he fell through it, when he killed Dark side. And Dr. Hurt is the one who's filling that hole because Dark side dying is what sent Bruce back in time, causing him to make these journal entries that then Thomas Wayne has read that allowed him to know all of this future stuff, a la Biff and Back to the Future 2 and therefore be this super villain that Bruce doesn't know, you know, it's it, dual narrative time, Batman. Like, Oh, I just, I love it. I can't say that I know for sure what's going on, <laughs> but it, it just made me feel like I'm touching my idea of what's go, you know, what has happened here. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that all along here, we've been hearing about the hole in things and, and finding out more and more kind of what that represents and, and metaphorically just you know uh morrison is a is a chaos magician i kind of feel like in reading these when he talks about magic in general terms he's talking about using magic we can all use magic to fill in the hole in things as bat and batman says here but it's only a hole <laughs> and, and a hole and just has a, to be filled yeah and just that one line batman's like yeah, we've been here about this hole and things. It's supposed to be big and serious, and sure it is, but it's only a hole. You know, you can take care of it. <laughs> yeah. But let me show you how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and just that idea that Dark Side created a hole and all voids need to be filled. So that really, the connection between Dark Side and Hurt is very salient there. Um, you know, Dark yeah. Side above, you know, is the greater villain than Dr. Hurt because he created this hole and mm-hmm. because of that, it allowed Thomas Wayne to learn all these things to fill that hole and become this ultimate villain. So just, yeah, in a way, Hurt is, is a maybe an uh, earthly aspect of what Darkseid's thought form represents. Right. That is also amazing, too. I hadn't realized that um, the idea of Bruce Wayne having a a mysterious unknown younger brother older i thought or older brother i thought that's something that um was created in this run maybe or something i hadn't realized it was from a story from 1972 yeah and it hasn't really been you know brought up or ever brought back i guess there's this one story we became like a boomerang but yeah god i would love for that to be picked (laughs) up in a more meaningful way right uh Morrison yeah. planted seeds that he didn't harvest that other people could harvest, and it would be beautiful to see that. Oh yeah, what what were the two reading this issue and talking about this? I was like, okay, we want Morrison to come back and do a Dick Batman and Damian Robin series. Yeah, I also want him to come back and do a New God series. Oh God, I 
I mean, I guess Final Crisis is as close to a oh. New Gods story as, as yeah. we've gotten, but I would love just an overtly New Gods story. Or I wish, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with plenty of guest appearances by Superman. <laughs> yeah, well, you got it, because he is, you know, a personified god there. And I, I love the way that the narration that he's recording is falling apart in these final pages. He's, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the issue before it, it's his recording. He says, think fast, Batman, is how that issue ends. And and he's just like, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> like, I gotta get this message to the future as my mind is fading and I can't remember my name anymore. How the hell do I get out of this one? Can you hear that, whoever you are? Like, he doesn't even know yeah. who he's talking to anymore. And I, I love that because it... it you know, you don't see Bruce that vulnerable often, and he's reaching out to Superman, which is just so pure yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, even though he's forgotten who Superman is. Oh, and, and then it comes, and then that's when he runs into old man who's Anthro, first boy. Um, yeah. and, and that's when he says about, I have to crack this maze before I forget everything, like Theseus, leave a trail. Yeah. And mark it with a bat. <laughs> Right, such a good line. It, that's and that's that Morrison. Like, you could think it's cheesy, or you could think it's just as pure as things get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the last thing he says out loud is, "Don't forget, survive." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it never ends. Oh, so yeah. Freaking cool. <laughs> so it's so good, and I. I think that the return of Bruce Wayne's story and miniseries means more with this issue. I really yeah. think um, it could have, it could have come out definitely after Final Crisis, but it, it maybe before the first issue of Return of Bruce Wayne. I'm not sure. It, it really does inform things, but I also don't mind having it show up in the middle and have my paradigm dramatically shifted, you know, that far in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't either. It's it, this is perfect placement. I wonder if. Um when they were collecting these, you know, if Morrison consulted and said, no, put these issues after these issues. <laughs> I'm really curious what, who dictated this specific reading order. I know that he was adamant about creating the reading order for how the final crisis paperback was included. Like it had one shots that maybe people passed up. I hope that he did all this, but also I could have seen the editor doing it, having spoken a lot to Morrison, but it is, it's it's just so interesting and so beautiful and i i love i love i mean yeah that's my favorite thing about this issue is just that conversation of living ideas and i think that's a really hard access a thing to access and, and put into a story and i think it's a thing that i think about often and justin and i talk about often is just you know fear or anxiety or tragedy or evil or love or hope all of these things are feelings that we have but they can be felt by all people there are these ageless timeless things that live beyond us that through our lives we access and to try to have some conversation about timeless ideals and personify them is so cool and it's you know that's one of the the main reasons i consider morrison to be the direct descendant of kirby right as i think that he really is trying to express these ideas that kirby was trying to express but at that time you know i don't think the vocabulary and willingness to engage in that type of thing especially in comics was a thing that was easy to do yeah 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 definitely if this story had come out and you know 75 or 76 well it wouldn't have come out it would have been canceled you know five issues in and (laughs) and never spoken of again right (laughs) 
Yeah. And just this statement of Bruce realizing that time is shifting around him. What is happening is redefining his understanding of existence, which is maybe the only reason that Willowwood Asylum is shown there. But I like the implication that it has a connection with Dr. Hurt and Darkseid. But this statement of, I was locked in a spinning cage of events, coincidences, bloodlines, connections. Like, you know, as I stayed in place, he manipulated the whole centuries around me. But these idea of nothing is a coincidence and these bloodlines are the most important things going on. And there's connections throughout all of it. And yeah, myth. Yeah, and, and visually that panel where it says bloodlines, connections. I love the fact those are blood drops, but they're also Martha's pearls. Oh yeah, nice. I didn't connect that. <laughs> I love all that. I, I love, I love that he framed this all too in in ancestral lines, um, particularly a lot the 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 uh, patrilineal lines. I and mean, we never hear anything about Bruce's the women. You're right. Yeah, which is interesting, but you know, that's fine. And Morrison was telling the story using the the male line. Um, and 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 I think this story introduced the ancestor box that uh, Darkseid uses with the hyper adapter in it, because I don't think we we'd seen those before. Okay, it, it was usually mother boxes, and at some point somebody, maybe Kirby, introduced father boxes, which also have a slightly different noise. But huh. I think I think Morrison's contribution to <laughs> New Gods mythology and one of the bits is ancestor boxes. Yeah, I. Yeah, and 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 I just. I don't even know what I want to say about it exactly. I just love the fact that the 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 uh, not gimmick, but the 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 story tool that he uses is traveling along Bruce's patrilineal lines. There, his ancestors. Okay, no, you're. That's really that. That was a good a good comment, Roman. Because then I just pulled up ancestor box. But yeah, like I was interpreting it as like there's the mother box and the father box. And those are just words. And I wasn't really thinking about the ancestor box that, that tied to the fact he's going back in time and sort of visiting time frames of his ancestors. Like he's traveling through his lineage and, and it does appear that it's a Grant Morrison. I was the first one um, of the ancestor boxes, but the name of it now makes way more sense to me, you know, mm, like yeah. it, it really is connecting him to his ancestors, these bloodlines, these connections and coincidences. And uh, yeah, as the you know, as Red Robin, Rip Hunter, and Superman are sitting in the Hall of Justice before they're going to go looking for Bruce out in the, the time, you know, the finishing recording he made to Superman, it says, "I know you'll look for me when all of this is done. You can hear molecules bonding. I know you'll hear this somehow." And that is just the embodiment of buddy life, which to me is one of the most <laughs> important things in my life. You know, and it's just you got to have those buddies and you got to have faith in those buddies and you have to trust those buddies and not always be paranoid that they're going to turn against you. Right. Like that's <laughs> your buddies are the thing that holds you up. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact, and at first I was thinking, reading this this morning, I was thinking, well, wait, how did Superman and them get this recording? But it was when it shows them in return of Bruce Wayne, number one, when they go back in time and they find his, his utility belt. Yep. And that's where the recording is stashed in the utility belt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rip Hunter gets it. So just beautiful. I think the it's just a really empowering sort of call to action issue. And 
uh, yeah, it, it just means a lot to me. This, this, that issue meant a lot to me in the way that sometimes you're reading a Batman story, but sometimes you're reading a story about life and uh, you can access a lot about your own life and lessons to learn within it. So, you know, this is a good embodiment of one of the many reasons why I love Morrison. It's not that he writes a good yarn. It's that I think he doubles as sort of a therapist for people if you allow it, <laughs> you know, if you allow to, yourself to use fiction that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Roman, do we have anything else to tackle in here before we get out of here? I, I, it's, um, it's Wednesday, so folks, you've got until the end of the day today, because on the Thursdays when we're going to record the Friday show for all the email stuff. So if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, comments, summative ideas, criticisms of us, you just want to talk about Frank quietly, I dig that too. you got till the end of the day uh, Wednesday here, and, uh, and then look forward to Friday having a very fun uh, just hanging out with everybody. I think Justin should be here for that. That'll be cool. And speaking of quietly, I, it's going to be exciting folks when y'all see maybe someday when we're all open, when the store's open again and you'll see, uh, you'll see Jess really swell quietly Batman shirt. <laughs> that just came in yesterday of the big old picture of Batman's head drawn <laughs> by Frank quietly on a t-shirt. Um, I've never seen one of those before. So yeah, it's awesome um yeah everyone thanks for bearing with us as you know the world has restarted justin's going back to school rustin roman's working full-time again i've been working full-time for a couple months now so if things miss a beat if we're late on an episode i appreciate everyone's patience on that we'll, we'll be doing our best uh, to get things out in a world that is no longer slowing down even though i sure wish that it would yeah yeah actually i could yeah slowness is nice He's a, a nice slowdown. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Batman in Quarantine on behalf of the amazing Roman Statler and the tolerable Jeff Figley. This has been episode 44, and we'll see you all in two days for Batman in Quarantine, episode 45, and we'll hopefully all hang out and just have some fun bullshitting about thoughts and questions and input from y'all because it's been a huge joy to get a cool connection with you folks. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all very soon. 